0: This episode is brought to you by the Disability and Food Art Exhibit, a groundbreaking exploration of disability, culture, and food stories in the Couch and Valley through photos and videos. Learn how you can support this in-person and virtual exhibition at disabilityandfood.art. That's disabilityandfood.art. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry. Namely, the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Firminger, and today I am delighted to welcome Elizabeth Bowen. Liz Bowen to her friends, and I hope we're all friends after today's episode. To the YVR Screen Scene podcast, I've invited Liz onto the podcast today because I have a very serious question: How the hell did she get so funny, and how the hell does she keep such a straight face with Alan Tudyk when he is exploding the funny all over the place on Resident Alien? Okay, that is two questions, but they are both very serious. I need to know. Resident Alien premiered in late January on Sci-Fi. It tells the story of an alien, played by Mr. Tudick who crashes to Earth and takes over the body and life of a doctor named Harry Vanderspiegel in a small Colorado town. The show is at once very thoughtful and full of heart and darkly comic as fuck. And yes, Liz, you can swear on my fucking podcast. I <laughs> Fuck yeah! Liz plays Deputy Liv Baker, who probably doesn't swear and is kind and really smart and trying to do her work under the thumb of a toxic boss, played brilliantly by Corey Reynolds. Liz shines as Deputy Liv. Her deadpan in the face of the funniest shit ever kills me every week. But I'm not surprised. This is what Liz does. She understands how comedy works and makes you feel big feelings and also pee your pants laughing, whatever the project and um, I'll say it, I'm speaking from experience here. I've seen her do it on stage, not pee, be funny. I've seen her be funny on stage. I've seen her do it in Michelle's and Hospital Show and Paranormal Solutions, Inc. and uploading convos with my two year old and just like everywhere. So today, Let's find out how Liz became one of the funniest and most in-demand performers in the Vancouver film and television industry. And that other question too. And other questions. So many questions. Liz Bowen. Elizabeth Bowen. Welcome to the YBR Screen Scene Podcast.
1: Thank you. Oh my goodness. How am I supposed to top that? That was like the greatest intro ever.
0: That means so much coming from you specifically. Um, I am not the only fan of your work though. We were talking before we hit record that James Gunn, big time Hollywood director, is a huge fan of Resident Alien, right? That's not a question, but right?
1: (laughs) Yes, I know, I know, it's crazy.
0: It's not crazy and we will get to that later because the show is fucking dope. Okay, I have beginning though, every interview during the COVID and it is now March, 2021. So I've been beginning a lot of interviews like this um, with this question, which I am asking from my heart. You can see I've got my hand on my heart, which means that the question is literally coming from my heart and going to you. How are you doing?
1: Oh, uh that is very sweet of you to ask. Um, I am fine, I guess, you know. I mean, we've had pretty much a year to get used to this, but I'm not sure about you, but now that it's March again, I'm starting to feel all this anxiety looking back a year from today when we, we had no idea what was coming. Really, you know? So I I think I'm okay. Uh, I'm not sure what your situation was in the first couple of months of the pandemic, but I think I cried every day for the first three months at some point. Same, total same. There
0: was crying, there was... Fear. My husband has kidney failure, you know, so, and I have a, a child, an only child who, you know, wasn't all of a sudden not seeing anybody. Um, and, you know, I became a whole homeschool teacher just randomly and Ugh. I'm not, I'm not a homeschool teacher. I should never be a teacher. That's why I'm not a teacher. I'm a podcaster and I watch film and TV for a living. So yeah, it was, it was devastating. Um, and I think what I'm having a really challenging time with right now is we are in March, 2021 20, and it's been a year is looking back and, and realizing that I that I, don't want to, I have gotten a bit used to this, but I don't want to get used to this. And there is such a hunger, hunger for the before times, you know, going to restaurants and seeing my friends or Mari sending her out the house for sleepovers and play dates and stuff so I could stay home and watch Netflix. <laughs> now I do that while she's here and uh, it's not not quite the same. No. Um, yes. Yeah, that getting used to it. I don't want to get used to it. I want my old life back.
1: I hear you 100%. It's, I know it's, it is. I, I, I think it was probably in the last couple of months that I realized, Oh, I'm used to this. Like obviously there's still the low level terror whenever I have to go out in public, especially a grocery store. It's like the hunger games in there. Um, but I realized I was starting to get used to it. And I thought, well, on the one hand it's a survival mechanism. Right. But on the other hand, I'm wondering if when this does finally end knock on wood that she knocked on her head, everybody, she just knocked on (laughs) on wood. Yeah. Is how, will we, will it be like, you know, the last pandemic where the roaring twenties, occurred afterwards with the end of the first world war and end of the pandemic or will we have become much more like sort of hermits Mm. because can you imagine once we're all vaccinated or you know it's safe for us to go out again and feel comfortable being at a restaurant do you think for you it's going to take some time i feel like we all have some some low level ptsd
0: Oh, this is we are you are 100% correct. Yes, I I am convinced that uh, we will. Honestly, I think there's some big mental health stuff that we, we will need to address. Um, I'm already addressing it because I've been getting that kind of help for a long time. But, you know, I worry about people who have not been getting this help for a long time going back out. Um, I really do feel that I will be uh, reticent and reluctant to go out or i think i will i think i'm gonna wear a mask more you know more often than not um i mean i even now where you know stores are open restaurants are open like i go walking outside and i have my mask on you know and i and as when i step foot over the threshold of of where i live i feel like under attack you know and so therefore i am not going out as much as you know, I probably should be going for fresh air and stuff. Um, yeah, I'm scared of going outside now. So I think that I think that long term, for sure. At the same time, those first few weeks, man, I, I there are so many people that I just want to like envelop in I my arms, you know, I and. Know. Um, yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: no yeah i mean what else can you can you really say about it um i okay i'm gonna try a segue here you want to see a segue (laughs) so in the midst of all of this doom and gloom and feelings of anxiety and pain and that outside is so dirty i have definitely been leaning a lot on my film and television queue on all the various streaming platforms and i gotta say here's the segue uh resident alien is such a bright spot there and so surprising i will admit that i watched it like i was like okay i'm gonna totally watch that because liz is in it um Although you are credited as Elizabeth Bowen, which you prefer. Like I'm just making, like I'm making funnies, but are you Liz? Are you Lizzie? Are you Elizabeth? Are you Bethy? Betty? Like, I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm probably more a Liz than Elizabeth, but I want to um, honor my parents because I don't think they've ever been fond of like my family does not, you know, call me Liz. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they call me Elizabeth. So I think I sort of wanted to honor them and, and go by my full name.
0: It is a beautiful name. It, it does make me imagine you're calling for your lover across the moors, wearing, you know, a long flowing dress and rain <laughs> and thunder and lightning crashing. I, I, my daughter's name is Mariana. I call her that. She goes by Mari. So solidarity with your parents. Yeah. Um, you know, so I started watching it, though, because of you. Uh, and I'm not saying you're not the reason that I'm sticking around, but I fucking li- like it's just it is this bright spot and so surprising. Unpredictable. Uh, amazing perform. I mean, I was already a fan of Alan Tudyk, but what the fuck? Like <laughs> uh, James Gunn in his tweet from last night was talking about that. This might be his that this might be his best work. Ever and uh, I'm there, so I want to talk to you let's begin with your first response to this material. you know, and like when you when you encountered the the material, did you
1: know how fucking rad this was? <laughs> well, I definitely knew I remember reading it and going, "Wow, this is really good. I really want to do this." Mm. And that's just for the sides that I got for the audition. Yeah. Um, And, but I do remember at least for my character and, and, and funny the the showrunner of resident alien, Chris Sheridan actually apologized for this after the fact, he said, I'm sorry. I didn't uh, include a lot about your character in those sides that you, you know, had for the audition. And so I really had to, uh piece together some things for for that. But yeah, I read it and I was like, this is this is so cool. And I I really wanna I, I know who she is and I really want to to play her if I can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what do you what do you like? So now you've been you put on her skin
1: suit the
0: way that <laughs> that uh the alien put on Harry's skin suit and now is Harry on its own. So, after spending all this time though in her in
1: her shoes and in her hat, what do you like about her? What do I like about her well i I like pretty much everything about her i I feel uh, very protective of her. I think um, this character is she is i think she's very smart, but I think she sells herself short yeah and i don't I, I think she knows. She is capable of 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 doing this job, but she does not have the confidence maybe to believe she deserves to be there. Yeah. So those. Things can I just are- interject?
0: And I don't yeah. like to interrupt, but I will
1: no. say it. What I find
0: interesting about what you're saying, though, um, is that I think that the sheriff has a lot of the same issues you know, about confidence, you know, in his job. I mean, we see, we've see, we we've seen him hanging out with his dad, played by Alvin Sanders, you know, in the... Yay! <laughs> yeah, yay! Um, and, you know, and feeling, you know, less than. And that, but yeah, where where you are almost like cowed over by his energy you know and then you have to like muster the confidence to let's say i don't know submit a piece of evidence and tie a little evidence tag on it after he says no it's stupid don't do it you know he's just blustering and blustering so i what i find like and that's where i think the show was really smart you know it's not just about like an alien comes to earth and is like oh, you know, it's oh, wow, I'm here on the planet and they do things weird. Like you also get to see, you know, all the way, like all the ways that, that people, you know, feel, feel like outsiders, you know, and how they deal with the things that they don't really like about themselves. And we're seeing that with almost every, with almost every character. It's a lot more, it sounds a lot more serious (laughs) and making it seem like, you know, this is us or something, but it's also like, it is like, it's, it's, it has in that way, it has so much heart, you know, and that's why I almost feel like, I mean, we're only, so we're recording on March 2nd, you know, we have, I think I've watched five episodes so far. There's only been five released date, you know, but I also feel like with Deputy Liv that we are seeing her, you know, She's growing. Everybody's growing on this show, right? So I'm sorry. I'm just sitting here putting words in your mouth. This is a show where you talk about your character. Um, Can we, can we, do you have any response to what I said or
1: about, well, first of all, yes, I agree. I think the, 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 um, my character, the deputy live and Corey Reynolds character, Sheriff Mike, they are more similar than they might know. And, I think she's starting to realize it. I don't know if he is yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, definitely. And and yeah, it is not just a show uh, uh, about an alien. It's actually a show about humanity. Mm. So that's that's really cool too. All these different characters, all of them, as you mentioned, feeling like outsiders in their own way. Yeah. Feeling like maybe they haven't um achieved what they want to achieve. I mean just very universal uh characters. Yeah. Really.
0: But still with aliens yes. and still funny as fuck. Yeah. Um I do want to go to that question that I that I asked as part of my of my thesis statement about not laughing when mm. um Alan Tudyk, you know, because a lot of like what what I love about about uh about Deputy Liv is, you know, and, and about you and your performance. It's just the 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 earnest deadpan, you know. Um you can tell that there's a lot that she's not saying, you know, and that's going on behind her eyes. Uh but in the face of just people, alien being so fucking funny and ridiculous. Um but both, I mean, we see this with Alan. I'm going to just call him Alan now. Yeah. Um, and, and also with, with your, your work with Corey, you know, as well. How the hell do you not laugh? Like, how do you even get that one take where you're not laughing? I just, I need to understand the mechanics of this.
1: <laughs> well, it, it is it is challenging. But I, I think because I'm so comfortable with this character and where she's coming from, that... I mean, it takes a lot, but I really just try and stick in her mindset where uh, if they're saying something funny, but maybe they look foolish, I don't want, as the character, to laugh at them because I'll hurt their feelings. Mm. Um, so, you know, there's that side of it. So that helps a lot. But there's also, um, I, there's a moment in Tomorrow Night's episode And you can see just just the tail end of this moment, so I won't spoil it. But Alan, uh, his character has this really funny, really fake, awkward smile. And the moment leading up to that, what he does is so, it's it's sort of small in terms of it's not some crazy uh, physical thing, but what he does is so simple and so hilarious that when the camera comes back to Corey and I, I was not totally able to contain myself. So that wasn't just totally me in character. That was me trying not to laugh. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, it, it is hard because everyone on that show, no matter if their character's kind of funny or more serious, everyone has the best comedic timing and like just whip smart, like on it. So yeah, it is really, really challenging sometimes not to laugh out loud and totally break character.
0: You're, an, you're like an Olympian though, really. Like the fact <laughs> that you don't, that you even manage to get those takes where you're, where you're, you're not laughing. Um, I mean, you're a pro anyways, but I just like, it's so fun. I mean, I don't know. Are my listeners getting the point? Like, this is funny, you need to watch this, and you need to watch, you know, especially to see Alan Tudyk. And I want to talk about your number one on the call sheet, guy. Yeah. You know, so working, I mean, you know, he's a very remarkable career already. Although, as Mr. James Gunn has pointed out, this is like his best work. Um, what What are some of the special qualities that Alan bring Alan yeah. brings to his work? And you know, what have you learned, you know, from your time, you know, watching him and also watching everybody else working with everybody else too.
1: Yeah. Well, Alan is fascinating to watch. He is, I mean, he's not only, you know, hilarious and so talented, but he is a classically trained actor. Like he went to Juilliard mm. and, and he's done theater. He's done Broadway, you know, uh, he, so when, when you're in a, a scene with him and you're watching him, you it's easy to relax because you know, you're with a total, he is the, the consummate professional. Yeah. He, he knows his stuff. He, every little moment is, is fascinating. And uh, yeah. So I just watch him sometimes. I just kind of watch him go. Mm. And, and there are times there, uh, there's a couple of times I've seen the one I mentioned, which is tomorrow night's episode And also in the pilot episode, when our characters first meet. Mm -hmm. And there's something so vulnerable in his performance that I was responding. Like, I remember the second we're on the beach, he pulls the boat up, I get introduced. And I remember thinking in my head, oh, my character really wants to protect him. Mm. There's, There's something there's something very vulnerable about him and the fact that Alan can can you know be broad but also be very subtle and you believe every aspect of, of that performance is a real testament to his his skill and uh his training and just his natural you know talent. So that's been pretty pretty amazing to watch.
0: Yeah. Um you also uh Now, I don't know if you share scenes with this person who will be seen in tomorrow's episode, but, um, this is somebody who, since I was like nine years old, I'm like thinking like, that's like my idea of what a powerful, strong woman is. And I am talking about Sarah Connor herself, (laughs) Linda fucking Hamilton, (laughs) you know, shows up as a general in tomorrow's episode. So... Fuck Liz, what was that? Like, did you get to meet her? Did you work with her? Like, what was that
1: like? I am so sad because I never got to meet her. The f- that is not fair. It is not fair. We we did not have any scenes together. And uh, a lot of her scenes were shot um, out. I can't remember where it was. Aldergrove or Abbotsford or something like uh, you know, somewhere, somewhere out there. Somewhere else. Somewhere else. And uh, so, no, I never got to meet her. I, um, I did pepper... Uh, so our producing director of Resident Alien is uh, Robbie McNeil. And he's someone that I know a lot of Star Trek people are huge. We're fans talking of. about
0: Robert Duncan McNeil, you know, very, very well known director, but also Tom Paris from Voyager. And yes. I have his action figure. So,
1: Oh, you that's do. That's cool. amazing. Course, yeah. You
0: haven't been to the studio yet, but I have entire sets of deep space nine next generation and Voyager action figures there. Ooh. Yeah. 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 I'm for Railsies. and that's not what I've gotten since I'm an adult. Uh, that is like original, like I bought it when I was, when I was a kid, so.
1: That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. He, um, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, no, I get it. It's funny. It's just so funny when, cause I, uh, when, you know, I, I did not, uh, grow up watching Star Trek. I know my partner did. I know tons of people did, but I was almost kind of glad of that because I didn't have a, when I met him, I was like, Oh, look at this nice guy with a beard. And I said to him, to Robbie, I said, you're the friend that is the one that always has the barbecues, aren't you? And he said, yes, I am. (laughs) You know, and you could just tell that about him. So I I was really glad that I didn't have anything, um, any preconceptions or any uh, like nervousness or anything. But yeah, yeah, so Robbie uh, knows Linda Hamilton. And um, that was, you know, uh, big connection um, getting her to uh, get, come and do this character. And so Robbie would like to tease me because he knew how much I wanted to meet her. And uh, so he'd be like, you know, Oh, you know, Linda, she's so great. And is this too bad? You won't he loved, he loved to tease me and you know, I could have. Which gone... is very
0: Tom Paris of him. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, they, they, The producers did say, if you want to drive out to—honestly, I don't even know exactly where it was. If you want to drive out and come on to set and meet her, please do. But I got—I got too shy because I felt like (laughs) I felt like I'd be, you know, sort of this like crazed fan if I showed up like just to watch her work. But maybe one day, who knows? Maybe one day. She was the first woman I saw. On you know like the screen where I went in in Terminator where I was like oh my she just kicks ass mm-hmm. yeah and she was just so like like literally and figuratively strong in this commanding presence and yeah. I just yeah she's you know so we first that- see her and she's
0: doing the pull ups on her bad that she's turned sideways and like for me I'm like I will never ever be that strong but my (laughs) god I'm so glad she is and I'm glad to know that she exists so yeah that's cool you're gonna be in the same episode though even though you didn't share scenes so that's almost like meeting
1: well in my head yeah and uh, you know (laughs) and you
0: you're going to barbecues at Robbie's place and you're Exactly. Yeah, no more
1: barbecues. No more barbecues. Yeah, no the more barbecues for, yeah. for a while, probably. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. she's great. I'm super excited for everyone to to uh, start being able to watch her in the episodes as well. She's great. Ooh.
0: Okay, so we are very soon going to be getting into the Wayback Machine and going back in time to your childhood and all the therapy stuff that we like to talk about <laughs> on the show. But I got I got like two kind of big questions for you. One... Where do you stand on this whole extraterrestrials thing?
1: Good question. You know, I have thought for a long time that, and I, I know a lot of people, I think, feel the same way, is that it would be really arrogant of us to assume that we're the only beings in yep. this huge, you know, the universe, the galaxies, the the, the solar system, That uh, you know, so... I, if we exist, why can't other beings exist? So, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, if you're asking me the questions, I'm like, yeah, obviously and absolutely. All right. The second question, which is kind of big. um, Why do you think the show is ideal for this particular moment in history where everything is objectively fucked up? (laughs) Uh, Because it does. It does feel like it's perfect for right now, March, 2021.
1: Yep. it's it's interesting, you know, and that obviously that wasn't planned uh because this show has been 5 years in the making. Mm. Um that's when our showrunner Chris Sheridan was first approached uh I believe by by Amblin to um turn um the the comics the graphic novels into a um into a show. Amblin, so, I'm just, can I
0: just say that yes. logo, the thought of that logo just makes me so happy. And I'm
1: back in the 80s and Amblin. Oh, I know. It, it, it evokes feelings of safety mm-hmm. for me, yeah. you know, like ET and even the, they did Poltergeist too, right? I do. Did don't they do know. Poltergeist? Let's Google. I'm yeah.
0: Googling. You keep keep talking. I'll Google. (laughs) Amblin. (laughs) Google. Wait, I just wrote, you know what I wrote in the Google search bar? I wrote wrote Google. Google. I wrote Google.
1: (laughs) Amblin. Pull. Yeah. I can't. Was it just, or that was a Steven Spielberg production, wasn't it?
0: No, no. Girl, you are right. 1982 production company, Amblin Entertainment. There we go. Nice. Did you a okay. film historian, Elizabeth Bowen. <laughs> <Same story.
1: laughs> but is. Now I'm trying to remember what question I was even answering. I was I- talking to you about, you know,
0: okay, so you were talking about how this show was made before and how it was five years in the making and how Amblin approached Chris Sheridan about um, adapting the graphic, the graphic novels into uh, a television show.
1: Yes. Thank you. Thank okay. you. I, I don't know. That was about- a live rewind. <laughs> No, I love that, but I I don't know about you, just a quick aside, but I have really noticed like brain fog the last year where if like I lose, I lose the thread very easily these days. I used to do that anyways. I Uh mean, you've
0: listened to some early episodes and we just like, we get into interesting stuff, but like the question, like the original question just goes away, but it's been so much harder you know? Cause I guess like in, on one hand, we're not leaving our homes. A lot of us are just, you know, and yeah. And so it's like, there's like, you know, maybe we're just too sedentary. And then on the other hand, there's so much fucking stuff to think about and worry about. And I just don't have the, the mental bandwidth. bandwidth.
1: Yes. Love that. Yes. Yes, Yeah. So I completely
0: forgot what question
1: you're. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, So yes, I think this show, I think it, it, it would, I think people would really respond to it regardless but I do think that with everything being you know the way it is during the pandemic it's very isolating mm. it's very disorienting um it's unsure and to have this small town with a variety of characters and you know, it's there's not really there's not like a really a political bent to it, per yeah. se, in terms of, you know, no one's an obvious Democrat or Republican or whatever. Yeah. But um, I just think because, as you and I were talking about earlier, it it deals with humanity and we're getting a chance to see humankind through the eyes of an alien. And really, we're all an alien in a sense i'm sure we've all felt like an outsider mm-hmm. and so in this very sort of small horizoned time the fact that we get to disappear into the lives of these people in the small town and realize that nothing no experience in our lifetimes has been more of a universal one than right now so there's been
0: nothing there's been things that we've cared about but as far as like a global event that has you know pretty much changed the lives of almost everybody you know on this planet right like this is
1: yeah so this is a very human show you know sort of exploring humanity at a time where perhaps one of the things we defined our humanity as being is that, you know, the mirror of spending time in person with people we love and that shared experience. And we've had to have this shared, very shared experience separately. Mm. So I feel like it just kind of brings everyone into this kind of warm, cozy, but jarring and weird and dark um, sort of universe. And you can just escape for, you know, 45 minutes an hour. Yeah. So
0: perfect. That is a (laughs) that is a wonderful answer. And I uh, should would also just like to reiterate that the show is also darkly comic as fuck. Yes. Okay. so we're going to take a sponsor break. And when we return, we're going to get into that way back machine and we're going to go and get to know Liz Bowen when she was very much Elizabeth (laughs) Bowen. (laughs) Uh, across the moors, Heathcliff across the moors. And uh, who who you were when you were yay high to a grasshopper. I don't know why that's a saying. (laughs) We'll be right back. One out of every five Canadians is disabled. And one of the biggest barriers they face is food, not just in the ability to prepare it, but also gaining access to healthy ingredients. These barriers often intersect with other areas of marginalization, such as ethnicity, sexuality, and gender identity. How can we help? How do we begin improving food security for marginalized Canadians? We can start with awareness. And Jules Sherid is inviting all of us to take that first step and be part of the solution. Jules is a disabled food photographer and advocate with a mission to increase awareness and provide solutions to create better accessibility to those who need it. His plan? To create a photography and video exhibit, both online and in studio, that showcases the food-related stories of eight disabled Canadians eight Canadians from culturally diverse backgrounds, and eight and Valley food and beverage producers. This project will also create at least five added jobs for disabled and other marginalized people. And Jules this is inviting all of us to be part of bringing this important project to life. Your contributions will launch a unique art exhibit and shine a light on one of the biggest and most life-threatening barriers disabled Canadians face today, accessing food. Learn how you can support this in-person and virtual exhibition at disabilityandfood.art. That's disabilityandfood.art. Every little bit helps. Thank you. Okay, you've heard some episodes of the podcast. You know the... I love that you're putting on chapstick. Um, like you're really getting ready to go into the way back and way back machine. We're going back in time. Wind is gonna be rushing past our hair. First of all, time travel vehicle of choice.
1: I would like to be in a pinto. Are you sure? Yes, because it's got it, it, it's got those like big, almost like aquarium glass windows, and you can see everything. Yeah. So it sort of be like being in a in a time, um, aquarium submarine, but we're not, um, underwater.
0: Okay. So I have some issues with this time travel vehicle oh. of choice. I have a
1: big issue with it because
0: the Pinto was famously like one of the most dangerous cars to ever exist. Is because, it? Yes. There was a whole thing in the, in the, The golden age of Pintos, where if it would get lightly hit by another car, it would explode. Really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But okay, that's like a that's a whole thing about Pintos. That's why I recoiled when he said Pintos, Um, and I'm also shocked when I look back and how many times, despite the fact that this became a very famous thing about. although maybe not so famous because you didn't <laughs> I, know I, it. I, I it. But that's actually how like Ross Perot got really involved in, uh, in you know, advocate, advocating for safety in cars after this, because also there wasn't a lot of regulation about safety in cars at the time. But I think about all the times that my mom let me go on like drives with you know like you know um, family friends and their kids who had Pintos. I'm like I could have died. But okay, so let's just say that we are in the outer bot, like we are in the body of a Pinto, but all of the inner stuff that could kill us has been removed for all the awesome time travel gear. This is we're putting a lot of thought into an imagination game, but hey.
1: I'm here for it. You are here
0: for it. it. I like the detail. Yes. Okay. So in the Pinto with our faces, pressed against the side, where are we going? And when are we going? Because I want to, I want to get like a very pure image of who you were when you were at your like most Elizabeth in her childhood form, if that makes sense.
1: Yes. Okay. Um, We are going back
0: to, um, I'm doing. I am. My hands are pressed against. <laughs> looking
1: up. Yep, that's right. We are going back to a moment in time when I was in a sort of a summer kind of, you know, kind of daycare, basically like it yeah. was a summer camp. And uh, quote unquote don't translate <laughs> over the audio podcast. So quote unquote
0: summer camp, but it was a day camp.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was a day camp and. Uh, the the day camp uh, at the end of whatever it was, a week or two, would culminate in a performance of the Three Little Pigs. So the whole time we are at this camp, one of the things we're doing is we're getting ready. We're, we're sort of helping to make props and color props. Yeah. And I am playing a tree. And I, I did not mess around with my coloring. I wanted everything perfect I wanted everything very neat and in the lines and so I was being very careful taking a lot of time with my tree trunk Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I kept getting very sweetly urged no just do big broad strokes and I was like no and I was very stubborn and I came uh, to day camp one day and it was close to our performance and they had taken a brown crayon and just done the big broad strokes. They ruined it. They, they ruined it. And I was just like, what the hell? Cause it's also the way I was dealing with my anxiety that I was gonna have to be performing in this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that was just an affront. And then we get to performance day and we're on this big, we were in an auditorium, l- lots of parents and families in the audience. I was playing a tree in the Three Little Pigs and I was so freaked out by the audience that I kept backing up and backing up um, to get away from them. And I guess I ended up practically in the prop cauldron Mm -hmm. um, that was being used. And the more I backed up, the more the audience laughed and Mm -hmm. I was like, what the hell is going on? Why are they laughing? Oh my God, they're laughing at me. And I think I was four, four years old. And I was like, this is terrible. Why would anyone wanna do this? Um, but then the more they laughed, the more I thought, well, maybe, maybe this isn't so bad. And yeah, it was a real, <laughs> a lot of big emotions in that, in that day camp with them, you know, desecrating my perfectly colored tree trunk and then having the entire audience literally laughing at me. So- I and mean, then
0: having that feeling of maybe, maybe, this isn't so bad
1: because they see me yeah. because i was the youngest in the family and i was always trying to get people to listen to me or pay attention to me and i you know I, the that you know being the youngest kid in the family lots of people have gone through it You're you're not always heard mm. by the time they get to you you know my parents had raised two boys and then i came along And, you know, it's basically like, obviously, they took very good care of me. But I think by the time you get to the third child, you're like, as long as they're not going in the poison cupboard, we're good.
0: Yeah.
1: So, yeah, yeah, it was that moment of, oh, people actually, like, they're looking, they see me. That really is very a therapy moment. Oh, my goodness. That (laughs) is. That
0: is. And with that, I'm like, I'm like, I'm nodding. And I'm like, you know, like, hmm, hmm. I actually, I do feel like I'm my therapist right now. Mm -hmm. So were you, were you a funny kid then? You know, like where did, where did comedy fit in? Because when I think of you, and I'll I'll say, I've seen, I've seen you do the funny on various kinds of stages. Um, Where did, where did comedy fit in? You know?
1: Yeah, I think it was, most definitely. I mean, as a kid, I think I was a combination of m- way, maybe way more confident than you'd expect for say a four-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and probably at times a bit of a know-it-all, like I would speak, like I actually knew what I was talking about. And I remember my friends would listen. And I remember thinking like, when are they going to realize I don't, I don't really know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> But I see myself in that right now on this podcast with this yes. podcast. Yeah. 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 It was a combination of that but also being very unsure of myself and and really quite quite shy at times which I know sounds like completely at odds with um the, the feeling like a bit of a know-it-all but yeah so I was someone who was kind of a mix of the two but I did realize very early on that my family would would actually yeah, I make them sound like they're monsters. They're not, but that my family no, would no. pay attention to me or listen to me if I made them laugh.
0: Hmm.
1: So I realized quite early on, even, even when I was doing stuff that was funny and I wasn't meaning for it to be funny, once they laughed, I'd be like, okay, uh, how can I turn this situation in the future into more laughs? So that was like my big goal was to get people to, to listen to me, to see me, and, and I would make them laugh in order to have that happen.
0: Wow. Again, <laughs> feeling like therapy.
1: I will say, what I
0: find interesting about what you're saying, though, is you know, you're, you're describing you know, an individual you. You're describing yourself as you were. Fe- you f- were feeling um, unheard and maybe maybe insecure, uh, l- lacking some confidence. And then you reacted by being a know-it-all, um, hmm. which which tells me that you were more of a sheriff than a deputy.
1: Oh, oh. Y- yeah. That's, this is the therapy breakthroughs
0: that happen yeah, when you're lying yeah. on my couch.
1: Yeah, there was a little, there was a, a little Sheriff Mike in, yeah. in little, uh, little Liz. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Wow. You're yeah. good. Yeah. I'm really,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this is, this is, this is happening now. Um, okay. So let's move on from four and back in the, we didn't get out of the Pinto, but we're looking through the yeah. glass. So as you're growing up though, you know, like what did you articulate that you wanted to do when you grew up?
1: Well, I think you know because my dad um, was a doctor. He's retired now, and so I think at first I, I loved. Uh, I-, I would sometimes come in, and he'd be watching surgery videos, Ugh. and and uh, he uh, he was an eye surgeon. Ah, so sorry, <laughs> I- I imagining would- an eye. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and and I love to knowing because I think I think like we've we've I think we grew up in about the same time, especially with the Amblin uh, yeah. references. But this is not him going on YouTube. He had to bring home VHS tapes, you know, that yeah. were specific, you know, yeah. for <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. uh, uh, disgusting eye surgery video, literally listed on the side. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So I, but I was fascinated by it. It did not gross me out. I just thought it was so cool and so. I did go through a phase of, of thinking and saying I would, I would be a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think I also liked how much my parents' uh, faces would light up uh, if I said that. And then I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm. And then there's that know-it-all. Uh, no, not, no offense lawyers, some of my closest friends are lawyers. Um, <laughs> Sorry, uh, lawyer. Sorry, um, but uh, but then I think by the time I was about eight, I had a revelation that this was for sure what I wanted to do. So, a
0: revelation. Yes. Interesting. So so you're eight. Yes. They haven't moved that far on your timeline, really. <laughs> that um, that we- <laughs> that's a lot happening. Often people's stories begin. I mean, often I encourage people to begin their stories around nine or ten because of. That's where my daughter is moving on the timeline, not back and forth between nine or 10, we're not time travelers that you know of. Maybe I'm covering this. Also, we are literally in the time traveling pinto. We are. Um, But, you know, so what, what were some of the things that you did, you know, as you grew up to, to bring your closer to your dream? And specifically what was your dream? Was your dream to be a comedic actress? Was your dream to do stand up? Like what what was the dream specifically? It
1: specifically it was to be an actor. Yeah. Um I don't know if I if I thought of it in terms of being, you know, like being funny even though I liked being funny if I could. Yeah. But it was it was being an actor, it was being able to express all the emotions i had inside my little mm. body um in a way that would make make me make sense to myself mm.
0: <laughs> and- i love how self aware you were and doing this hard work that i pay for you know with my therapist <laughs> but you're doing it as a kid for yourself that is that is incredible
1: yeah so <laughs> but i yeah so i think i knew quite early on, I wanted to be able to express myself and this was the way it felt like I could do that mm. and, and i not going to lie, also I wanted people to, to, to see me um, and to, to understand me because I did feel, and I'm sure a lot of us felt this way, but I did feel like an outsider mm. for yeah. sure. I see so, yeah. you,
0: Liz. I see you. Uh, and I see you, young Elizabeth, with this, <laughs> this awesome window. So, okay. So let's, let's talk about your first time on set. You mm. know, what, what, what was it? And what do you remember? And, and um, how did you fuck up?
1: Or like, what mistakes <laughs> did you make and then learn from? Oh, well, yes. Yeah. So the first time I was ever on set was in the early 2000s. And it was on a show called Hollywood Off-Ramp. Hollywood and Off-Ramp? Yeah, I, I don't know. It might have only lasted a season, and I, I didn't really know much about anything then, so I don't even know who produced it or what what, what net, network it was on. But it was playing a bad stand-up comedian at Amateur Night. And... Um, so I showed up to the job, never having been on set. I, I didn't know what I was doing. And in those days, this is this is a lot of information. In those days, I was going commando. Uh, so I showed up on set, and I, I gotta was- say
0: though, during the pandemic, mostly going commando. <laughs> commando, <as well>. yeah. <laughs>
1: so I showed up just you know in jeans, but I wasn't wearing underwear. And I remember thinking, oh my god. Because they wanted to put me in a skirt. And yeah. I, said, I said to Wardrobe, I am so sorry. I wasn't even thinking, but I don't normally wear underwear and I don't have underwear. And they were like, they're like, okay. And I'm sure they'd seen it all, right? So they went and they got me a brand new pair of underwear. So that's sort of how the day started out, where I felt like a complete tool. Okay. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but there was this moment. And, and it, this happens with everyone, um, but for people who don't know when you're on set, there's usually a, a PA or a, th- a third AD or someone with you who is talking you know, to someone on set, saying, okay, Elizabeth is traveling, and this was my first experience with it which meant i was heading to set and i felt like i was surrounded by like fbi agents or something (laughs) like you feel very important Mm -hmm. and so they got me on set you're traveling you are traveling traveling, and everybody knows it yes traveling and got on set and all it was very dark in there and they just had the lights literally on us because i was going to be doing this in a spotlight at amateur hour this part and the makeup uh, women started um, powdering me and I could see the powder going up in the air. Mm. And I just thought, I've made it. Like this is Hollywood, baby. What a glamorous (laughs) moment. Uh, You know, and I think I had like two lines. But yeah, that was like, oh wow. Yeah, anything is possible from here if I'd known how long it would take to actually start booking regular work. I think I would have been really discouraged.
0: Yeah. Oh, Amazon just dropped off a package. Oh, um, yeah. I just saw that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope
1: it's something good. I something fun. I um more actually, more of those gl- glamorous sunglasses that he Yes,
0: used. $10. Yes. Well, it's not sunny. I ordered two. Um yeah. I okay, so I So interesting to everybody. I wore some. (laughs) So I took a photo of myself wearing some giant sunglasses because I only ever wear giant sunglasses. And Liz sent me a message saying where you get the sunglasses. And I said I got it from Amazon and it cost me like nine bucks because I love looking glamorous and having big glasses. um, But I don't like I lose them or they break or like, I just don't want to spend, like I just go through them a lot, you know, even during the pandemic, even inside, like I just like, I will do things to make myself feel better. So yeah. So I'm not going to spend more than, no, actually, I will tell you is a, uh, I ordered um, through, uh, through a third party um, black owned business, a black lives matter shirt. And that is, that should be what arrived uh, today, because that is something that we are talking a lot about in the industry right now. So yeah.
1: That is amazing and I hope everyone on set starts wearing them on all the sets from now on.
0: Yeah. All the time. All day, every day. Um, Also underwear. No judgment. There you go. Underwear is also good. Yeah. What's cool is that we'll also see if somebody walks to steal it as well (laughs) (laughs) because we got the good view of the front door. Okay. So I want to talk about what, like, when are you, I want to have a joy. When are you happiest? On set in a role, or on stage. Like when when are like the Liz Bowen happy moments?
1: The happy moments are when I either feel like I really got lost in the moment and the character, Mm -hmm. where I forgot where I was. Um, But uh, it is it is so magical and so much fun when you do have an opportunity to improvise mm. with each other and you have that energy and, you know, the crew's paying attention because they're like, Oh, we haven't heard these lines yet. And, you know, you're with the group, like on resident alien, everyone is amazing at, uh, at improvising and that moment where stuff is just sort of coming out of nowhere. And then they they yell cut. And then the crew starts laughing and you're like, oh, wow, we just made that all up and they liked it. You know, mm. that's 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 a great moment.
0: I, I only want you to have those kind of moments for <laughs> real. OK, you're ready to play favorite things. Yes. This is where I ask you about what your favorite thing is of a thing. And then you tell it to me without thinking. And I'm just realizing that this is pretty much what you have done in improv. So. It's going to be, it's either going to be gold. Because what I live for is that look of horror and shock and surprise. And I don't know if I'm going to get that from you. Uh, oh. Because a lot of actors do not do improv. And so when I ask them, it's very, uh, am I mean? I'm just, no, <laughs> is this there? Am I mean by like just loving to see their discomfort and their horror? When I ask them like, you know, what is their favorite song lyric? And they're like, ah.
1: No, no, no! You're not. Mean. This just reminded me. I was wondering this about myself. You know, at the very end of SNL, when the show is over and Mm -hmm. everyone's hugging and saying goodbye to the audience, I find it so hard to watch because I can see people feeling self conscious. Maybe someone's feeling left out. Someone's looking for someone to hug Mm -hmm. while the studio audience is sitting there, and I and my partner's always like why are you watching this you're you're hiding half of your face yeah. but you're obsessed and that it's that like there's this human thing about watching something unfold
0: yeah it's raw it's naked and yes. yeah you're there to witness it okay yeah. well thank you for validating um you're welcome. <laughs> me putting actors in the hot seat and yeah. uh, just gleefully watching their discomfort all right oh. What was your favorite show when you were ten years old? You've covered half your face.
1: <laughs> I'm tr- it started. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember where. So that was grade four. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. know what's interesting is I don't actually know with with this with this favorite things part. I I I didn't I didn't do my homework on this. So this is good. I'm like oh, I don't. Good. Yes, I, oh, I'm not familiar good. with it. Um. So. When I was ten. Uh, oh, that's such a good question. I wish I could answer. I, I honestly think around that age, I don't think I was watching a lot of TV because I was, <laughs> I was really, really uh, uh, doing a ton of gymnastics and oh. dance, and I was playing uh, the violin and uh, reading, reading, reading everything. And I, I swear to you, I. Don't, I I cannot remember. I am That's so fine. sorry.
0: That's fine. You don't have to apologize. It was a revealing answer. And also I just realized we spent, we we drove that Pinto really fast. We spent through a lot of stuff. That's what I'm realizing now. All right. Yeah. Next question. Okay. Favorite karaoke song.
1: Oh, there, there are a couple. One of them is, um, uh, someone like you by Adele. Oh. It's I am it is not always sung well, but it mm. is sung Karaoke with- does
0: not need to be sung <laughs> it just, well. Yeah.
1: It, it but it's, it is sung with heart and and it's always interesting when I have uh you know uh, done that song uh, karaoke nights where usually people are really into it because everyone knows the song, but also it's like uh, okay, so now you're going to get all heavy mm. and we're all here. You know, back in the day when we could all hang out at karaoke. Oh, so um, long
0: ago. Yeah.
1: But yeah. I love that song because people usually join along.
0: Yeah, which is yeah. what you want from a karaoke
1: song. It's not about yeah. like,
0: I'm up here and I am I mean, for some people it's like, I this is my chance to perform for you. But for me, it's like, I just want to sing with my people and get the whole like usually at the end of a night of when we do karaoke, when we used to do karaoke, we get the room. You do four hours because we were hardcore through karaoke and we would end with with Bohemian Rhapsody. And you're not even using mics at that point. You're just you're just giving her.
1: Yeah. That's
0: what, so you said there were two. What's the other one? Um, uh, uh,
1: Cheryl Crow. Uh, is it called strong enough? I, I, uh, str- I uh, um, sure, uh, Girl. strong enough to be my man or.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: I haven't sung that one in, in a while, but yeah, I, I love singing that one too, but I'm never picking like the rocking songs. I'm always picking the ones that are like a little bit depressing or like yeah. maudlin or or whatever. So that sort of speaks to the, the melodrama in my soul, I think. Mm. Mm. I did know it's doing therapy again. I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Hey, what's your favorite karaoke song?
0: Killing me softly. the were Flack <gasps> version. Mm. Um, and then people go one time, even though it's not the Fuji the uh, Lauren. no, Fuji's Fuji's. Cause it was on the score. Uh, the no, wait, was it killing me softly? Was that a Lauren Hill specific song or was it a Fuji's song?
1: Good question. Because- I
0: believe it was on the score. Okay. which was the Fuji's one and only album. Um, although I don't, I'm not Googling it. I'm not gonna write yeah. Googling yeah. because whatever. <laughs> I just sing the Roberta Flack version. I also yeah. love I Will Survive. Um, mm. And I'm, I, a Total Eclipse of the Heart is another one. You know, oh, so like the eighties, the, like, or, um, oh gosh, uh, Alone by Heart. So I like the ballad ones where you can just like, it's just put your, put your gut put your it. tits into yeah, it yeah put my tits yes. t- <laughs> i just was like <laughs> um yeah you could put your put your ovaries into it um yeah. and then the other one that i i mean, i'm always the one to request bohemian rhapsody i love uh summer of 69 i love the big group songs um yeah, yeah i i'm okay. just Thank you for trying to turn the tables on me. Back to no, you.
1: No, I really, I really, <laughs> I really wanted to know because it's yeah. really, it's really funny hearing what people's. I mean, that's probably why you asked this question. Yeah, it's, revealing. It's, it's, really it's very revealing. Very revealing. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, oh, and uh, Material Girl, also one I like, Madonna. Oh. Cause we are living in a material world and I am a material girl. That's when where I get the ladies to come up with me as well. All right. Okay. Next question. You're giving me that stern look. I am giving you the stern look. Yes. Favorite cartoon character.
1: Favorite cartoon. Character.
0: Um, Character. Character. Character.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I I liked the um, Roadrunner because they were so cheeky Mm -hmm. and they were dealing with that scary coyote. Wiley-E, yeah. And and, I mean, did the Roadrunner actually, I don't know that Roadrunners, if they have noticeable tongues, but did that Roadrunner stick its tongue out ever? To Wiley E. Coyote? I can't remember. But I loved, I loved, I loved the Roadrunner. I thought, yes, fast, funny, smart, l- like always escaping danger. Yeah.
0: yeah. I really did not understand their relationship, although I enjoyed <laughs> watching it play out. But I just I mean, because it went on. It was the same. I mean, it was the same storyline mm. every single yeah. time. Yeah. Roadrunner's running fast. Wiley Coyote's not happening it. You know and then often you'd have the- the the wily e. coyote end up you know with the, you know doing that fast running off a cliff and then and then his legs going a few more times and then falling down and yeah. then they did it over and over and over again and i just yeah. i didn't understand it and um i also i didn't like what is a road runner yeah yeah I like know. what what like i mean I guess you're not supposed to think too hard about it um but I just never like what like there was a time in my childhood where I was expecting to see, you know, birds. Was it a bird running yeah. like really fast along the side of the road or whatever? And yeah, like, that's not like, a thing. Like that's not a thing that exists. You yeah. Know?
1: I don't even really, Oh, what about Pepe Le Pew? Well, Do there is some toxic
0: masculinity, unwanted affection. 1000%.
1: Yeah. But as a kid, you're like, oh, he's so he's so funny. But yeah, yeah going back and watching it now as an adult, yeah. you'd be like, hey, what about boundaries?
0: Yeah, total boundaries. You know what, though, I will say I um, I I, I share these classic cartoons with my child and we watch them. There's artistry and um, there's historic, you know, their their history as well. They're, they're entertaining, but I will contextualize things, you know, a lot like, you know, Pepe, Pepe Lipia, you know, I'm saying, like that's not appropriate. And to the point where like my kid is like, yeah, I know. yes, I
1: know. Yeah.
0: You know, but I'm realizing that a lot of the stuff, you know, that that I watched uh, back in the day, I now have to contextualize. Yeah, the child. It's true. And nobody was there contextualizing that stuff for us, which is how we end up in therapy. (laughs) Okay, next question. Okay. Favorite Vancouver shot series, past or present, that you haven't appeared in, but that you love?
1: The Killing. Mm. Mm. Loved it. Loved it. Just, just, It was so good and I think I only auditioned for it once or twice and I was quite relieved in a a sense, even though I would have loved to have been on the show, but I was also relieved I didn't get it because it would have blown apart the world for me a bit. But yeah, that show was so dark and good and like creepy and cool, but also funny sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Good choice. And you're the first person.
0: To say that one. Oh, okay. I'm gonna ask you a, a couple more, um, including my daughter's favorite one, which I'll leave for the end. What is your favorite vacation destination? My
1: favorite vacation destination. You know, for like
0: when we go on vacations.
1: Yes. Again.
0: Yeah. We, will.
1: <laughs> I, we will. We will. We will. I I love a Gulf Island. Mmm.
0: You love yourself a golf island.
1: (laughs) I can, I can like taste it. I love being on a golf island or somewhere on Vancouver Island where you're by the water. It is the quintessential West Coast experience. It's also very comforting because, you know, I grew up uh, on Vancouver Island and there is something so yummy. And also, I can't believe I just used yummy. Um, And also, something so um, delicious, delicious, (laughs) like bittersweet. Like, I feel like I'm in the middle of a memory uh, while while I'm there, like I'm creating a memory. I just love it. I am the, that's literally the happiest place for me. Now, granted, I've always wanted to go to Italy and I've never been. Have you? Uh,
0: a, f- a few times. And I'm oh. also going there on a weekly basis watching um, Stanley Tucci. <laughs> I want to
1: check that out. I heard it was amazing.
0: It's, it is, it is so good. It is, oh. uh, I can taste, I'm getting that taste to Italy from Stanley Tucci. And it's like, it's like visual ASMR, like it's so comforting. Um, and uh, yes, you, you must go. Yes. You must go to Italy.
1: Oh, I would love to <laughs> one day. Italy and Greece and Spain. I've got to check. I've got to check those places out. All, look- all, all amazing. Oh.
0: All amazing. Oh. oh, You simply must you go. Must, simply must. <laughs> all right. This is the last question and it's very okay. serious, okay? Because okay. for my daughter, who actually helped me develop this segment, suggested oh, nice. this segment, she was like, this is the most revealing question okay getting a little nervous you're hiding in yes. your sweater all right <laughs> she's 10 so this is not about like underwear or anything okay.
1: which have we've already discussed already yeah, yeah we've covered
0: that we've covered that okay um favorite animal
1: oh i i really I would say the animal I talk the most about, uh, dogs.
0: Okay, I do have a follow-up question before you. Yeah. Be, um, uh because um, Deputy Live has to work with a dog who gets more um, works with Cletus who gets more affection uh, and respect from mm-hmm. Sheriff Mike. You know, mm-hmm. so um, so you you do not share. I mean, I know. Granted deputy Liv has a lot of good reasons for not really liking Cletus, but you, yeah. you don't share those kind of feelings about, about no. the, the actor who plays Cletus or actors. I don't know. Oh yeah. No, the,
1: yeah. The dog who plays Cletus, his name is Gus. And he is the sweetest, <laughs> this he is, is perfect. He is sweetest uh, little sweetheart. And originally, uh, Sheriff Mike's dog, just as an aside, was supposed to be named Tiffany, which everyone thought was hysterical because here's this big, like tough macho guy with his little French Tiffany. bulldog yeah. Tiffany. <laughs> but then the dog that they ended up picking was was Gus. So th- they let Corey Reynolds uh choose the name and he came up with Cletus. So anyway, yes, I do not share the same feelings, and I don't think it's that Liv doesn't like dogs. I think she is jealous of Cletus like she would be uh, the favorite sibling. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, because Cletus gets praise and my character never gets praise. But yes, yeah, so unlike unlike that situation, I love dogs. Any dog I drive by, walk by, see, I'm like, oh my God. And actually the other day I was walking down the street and I this guy was walking his – ironically, little French uh, uh, bulldog. And I I said to the dog, hi baby. And I just, and I kept walking. And the guy goes, excuse me. And I said, yeah. And he said, do you want to pet my dog? And I said, <laughs> yes, I do. Yes. I'll sanitize my, hands. And I said, I sanitize my hands. And it was a little puppy. I think her name was Ivy. Ivy! And, yeah, I don't she, even know what this puppy looks like, but I love I you, Ivy. I love you, she was, Ivy. She was a little gray uh, puppy. And she was biting me with her little puppy teeth. And she was scratching at me. And I actually came home and I had like a wound and I loved it yeah I, I loved it, so yes, dogs definitely I am obsessed with dogs
0: I want to ask a weird question. Did <laughs> yeah, you smell weird. your hands after to smell the dog's licks and and the feel the scent of the dog's
1: fur on your hand because i've done that you've done that, this is an admission, this mm-hmm. is revealing. Mm-hmm. You know what? No, I did not because I am allergic to um, some types of dogs and cats. So even though I love mm. them all, I want to pet them all. Um, I do not put my hands close to my face, or I will get all yeah stuffed up.
0: Yes, but yeah, I, I'm allergic to cat dander, and um, I yeah. own two cats. I am drowsy from Benadryl all the time. Uh, <laughs> But, but that's, uh, that's for me. Like I've chosen to be in that. I grew up with big dogs. I wish I could have dogs. It's just not works for, I was going to say, cause we're never home. What the fuck? Yeah. I'm home.
1: You're home. I'm All home right now. All
0: the time. All
1: but the I have these two guys. Yeah. I know your name. Yes. They do. They yeah, do. That's why they there. just
0: uh, knocked and walked away because they that's know.
1: That's right. They're like, Hey Sabrina. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but you know what I do love the smell of is I grew up with various uh, long haired cats. Mm. Um and I don't know if it's just because these cats in particular smelled so good, or maybe cats with, with long, with fluffy fur have that smell. I love the smell of, uh, of, of cat fur when mm. it's long. It, there's a certain smell. It's, it's, it, it's almost um, the, the same sort of soothing scent is like a um, uh, softener.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: My cats, I will say, they smell really good, and I don't know how. Like, they smell
0: like, um, like baby powder almost. But there's yes. like, but there's nothing like around them that smells like baby powder. It's their smell. You know, yes. you know why? It's because they're clean. Like, <laughs> they just—they always cleaning themselves. So that I think that's why. Yes, this is a very revealing episode um, um, for both of us. Yeah. Uh, I've t- give told a lot of stuff here about myself, um, about my
1: cats. By the us Amazon it. guy.
0: Um, let's end with, uh, let's end with um, a time travel question. When we have the pinto, we might as well. Okay. Um, if you could go back in time to, usually I say the beginning of your career, but I'm not going yeah. to now. I want to go back to eight years old
1: when okay. you have
0: decided that this is something that you want to do. So if you could go back in time to eight years old, you, eight-year-old you, what advice or words of wisdom would you share with yourself or would you not share anything at all that's an option too
1: i would have very specific advice and i actually without knowing that this is going to be a question like i have actually thought about this so many times in my life if i could go back to when i was eight i would if if it were possible somehow, not that you have any money when you're eight years old, but I would convince my parents to buy real estate in Vancouver.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Um, and this is something I've thought about all the time, or like if I was, you know, if I had psychic powers back then, I would say invest in Apple or Starbucks or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It would, I mean, it's really all, it's very shallow. It's all financial related. That's
0: fine. Money, money gives you opportunities and stuff. I I mean, I've actually, I have thought about this too, not just because I ask it, but I actually think about what if I could actually put my consciousness, uh, send it back in time to to myself um, and that I would have, like, I would be It would be like being John Malkovich, but you're actually in control. One, I would be like, I would try to, like, make all sorts of stuff happen. But two is the question of would I at like eight or nine years old be able to convince my my parents and, you know, people in power and positions of power that I actually had the consciousness and the knowledge, you know, from the future or would they would they like Put put me, you know, in in a lock me up somewhere, or would they do experiments? Because also I watched a lot of sci fi, so I think a lot about a lot about that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, no,
1: it's it. Yeah, because you would know if if you went back in time to then and you knew everything you know now. Yeah, you might come across as someone who d- didn't know what the heck they were talking about because people yeah. wouldn't have heard of some of the things we were referencing.
0: Yeah. Or as, cause if I'm sending myself back to nine years old, mm-hmm. um, cause I think about that specifically, would I be able to communicate through words and mm. through my vocabulary, you know, that I was actually a 41 year old woman in there <laughs> yeah. and would I want to, but I do yeah. want to. Uh, yeah. But then would I just be Cassandra, you know, the idea of Cassandra, you know, who's speaking the truth because she sees the future and nobody hears her. This is a really weird place to leave <laughs> the episode, but this has been just so fucking fun. Oh, it
1: With has Bowen. been so fucking fun. Sabrina. Elizabeth
0: Bowen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> where, where can our fans find you and follow
0: you and celebrate you on all the social needs? Uh,
1: I would meds. say the social meets, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. Okay. For sure. I am on there far more than is good for my soul, I'm sure. Yeah. But yes. Yeah, but if
0: you weren't on Twitter, and please keep, what's your Twitter handle?
1: Oh, it's at Miss Liz Bowen. Yeah. Um, and if you and weren't on there
0: last night, you wouldn't have seen what James Gunn had to say about yourself.
1: Would not have seen yeah. And I and thankfully I was tagged in something so I was able to to see it. And yes for sure. So I'm definitely on Twitter and I'm on Instagram and yes.
0: Yeah. That's and what your, is your Instagram? Ms. Ms. Liz Bowen as well. Um,
1: it's probably the longest one you've ever seen. Okay. It's Elizabeth Bowen. sometimes
0: <laughs> it, one that is, that is the longest that I've ever seen. And um, that is a very revealing uh, <laughs> name that we will, a d- revealing handle that we will discuss when you come back perfect I can't wait thank you Liz (laughs) thank you Sabrina this was so much fun so fun thank you also to our listeners please like subscribe leave us a review you can find us on all the social meds at YVR Screen Scene and you can find us at our home on the web www.yvrscreenscene.com the YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me me, me alone, Sabrina, Ronnie, Mara, Firminger, and it's edited by Simon Firminger. Special thanks to Mariana Firminger, Mari Firminger, Mariana Firminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Firminger for technical support, and to Dane, not Furminger double a for the original music. Why Bear Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic, dynamic and fucking
1: funny, film and television scene. And cut.